Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amazing. Uh, man, it's so good to have all of you online. For those of you in the room, what's up? Man, it's, it's good to see you. Hey, I want to do something that I wasn't planning on doing. Is that cool? Are you guys okay with that? Uh, so we do these things, uh, we do this thing around here called the golden hammer, okay? Now, what the golden hammer is, basically, is a golden hammer. <laughs> a and what, what we do with these golden hammers is that we put honor where honor is due. Because we are all building the house of God together. And it's not just those of us that are on staff they get paid to be here. Actually, the beautiful work that is being built in this house is built by volunteers, just people that are in love with what Jesus is doing here and saying, you know, I'm going to give of myself to see this expand and grow and, and, and to be a beautiful picture of who Jesus is in Austin, Texas. Amen. And, and, and the person that I want to hammer this morning is someone who builds our culture. And, and what I mean by that is, is that, you know, you feel something when you go to someone's house. Have you encountered this? Yeah. That you, you, like, you feel if you're walking into a place that's filled with joy. Yeah. You don't have to hear laughter. You, you can feel it when you walk into a place that's filled with hope. And that impact of walking into a heaven culture is so, in, so meaningful and so important and so impacting that if you are struggling with hopelessness and you run into a culture of hope, it has a way of shaking the hopelessness out of you. How many of you know that that's why community matters? Is that you get in a group of people in your life group and you step into a community of people and you're like, man, you know what? I was a little bit in despair, but there's a spirit of hope in this place and it's pulling me from where I was into who I'm called to be. And, and I got the, the, the chance to meet this young man a, a few years ago, maybe not even a few years ago, but, but honestly, from day one. To encounter Ray. To encounter Ray is to encounter faith. To encounter Ray is to encounter hope. And you wouldn't even know that he's in a dog fight. And he's up here out worshiping everybody. The youth are in the back row. Ray's up here in the front row. Yeah, I called you out, youth people. Ray's up here burning a hole in that carpet. And it pulls me into worship. You hear me? And, and here's the thing. Everybody's allowed to have bad moments. But I got to be honest with you. I've never had a moment with you, bro, where I don't leave more encouraged about what God can do. And I'm thankful that you're here, man. And yeah, your wife works for us. We love you, Janet. But you're just a, a builder, bro. You're a culture builder. And we are who we are because you're here. So my dude. 
Yeah. The often duplicated but never replicated, bro. Love you more. Love you more. Boom! Solid gold. Go ahead and volunteer. You, you know, you might get rich. Okay. Well, good morning. It's Palm Sunday. Did you know that? Oh, did you know it? We're in Holy Week now. So if you didn't know that you were coming to a sermon, now you know. It's about to get real, okay? This is kind of like Super Bowl week for pastors. This is, you know, it all comes down to this in one way, shape, or form. And so I've been fired up about this week since last year, okay? And, and, and so it, it, it is going to be an amazing morning. Is your expectation that high? Do you believe that God wants to speak something to you today that's going to shake whatever feels stuck in your life off and you're going to get a bigger picture of who Jesus is and because of that, the dead things in your life are going to come back to life. Come on now. I'm, I'm already preaching, Moses. I'm already preaching. Whew, okay, here we go. Where am I? What am I talking about? Oh, yeah, Palm Sunday. But before, before I get into what we call the, the triumphal entry, let me just echo with that supermodel. I don't know how much we paid that chick to do that announcement video. That's my wife, by the way. Okay, so I can say that. Lust after your wife, husbands. You can do that. That's a, that's a, that one's okay. Um, and, and so I want to echo what she said. Next week, you're going to want to be here. Okay. I'm unapologetically asking you to come. I'm unapologetically, all of you from the north, it's not too far to drive. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Like, it, it, I, I want to unapologetically invite you to be here because, look, it has been over a year yeah. Yeah. since our whole church has been together. Yeah. And it's time to return. And we, we are saying, you know what, we are celebrating the resurrection and the hope of Jesus. And we don't just want it to be some of us at the party. We want it to be all of us at the party. And we're, from, the younger, from the youngest among us to the oldest among us, there's going to be amazing things to experience and encounter. And so, look, invite your neighbors. Invite your coworkers. Invite people you haven't seen at church in a while. Invite them to come and do not talk yourself out of inviting them because they live in Georgetown. How many of you know that people will drive for the presence of God? So let's let them make the decision. You feel me on that, right? I was feeling that this morning. You know, we've got the little sign, join us for Easter. And I was like, man, I, we invite our neighbors all the time to church, like to, to the point where they're probably like, oh, here we go. But and I was like, man, but it's going to be so far. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, don't make that decision for them. Right? Like, let's just invite everybody and let's believe that God wants to do something more than we can ask, hope, or imagine. Amen? Well, today, uh, as I said, is Palm Sunday. Now, this starts for us uh, what we call Holy Week. 
And this entire week, I want to encourage you, even in your time with God, this is one of those sovereign moments where we get to reflect and remember and dwell upon the beauty of what Jesus has done for us when he died on the cross and then conquered death by coming back to life so that we can have relationship with the living God. And this week of remembrance starts off today as we will spend time dwelling on what's known as the triumphal entry. And this is when Jesus stepped into Jerusalem to die on the cross. He knew that. No one else knew that, but he knew that, that when he entered into Jerusalem, that this was going to be different. And and, and what I want us to see today is that when Jesus steps into our world, it doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter the plans that we have. When Jesus steps into our world, everything changes. And if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to John 12. And we are going to start in verse 12. John 12, verse 12, it says this. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey, and he sat on it as it is written, Don't be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. Do you see that when Jesus stepped into Jerusalem, everything began to change? When he steps into the city, the plans that the city had instantly shifted. The fights that were happening instantly stopped. The division that was experienced in those days was erased as the people stopped and started shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is the name of the Lord. I want you to hear something about 400 times this morning. When he steps into the room, everything changes. Now, I'm getting ready to get really vulnerable with you guys. And and as I do, I, I don't want you to judge me too harshly because I'm really trying to change. It's a little bit of a joke. I know that you will all judge me very harshly. (laughs) But I have found that there are two groups of people in life. There are people who find things, and there are people who lose things. Now, confession, I'm a loser. Okay? Now, I'm wondering, don't raise your hand. But are there any other losers in the house? Amen. A few of us, okay? So 
I lose things, and my go-to in losing things is blaming Liz for moving things. I don't know, any other losers have a tendency to blame those around them for their inability to remember anything. I'm the guy that walks around the Target parking lot. I don't know what it is about Target. H-E-B, I know where I parked. Home Depot, know where I parked. For, for some reason, I park in the Target parking lot. I'm like walking laps. And I am this close to calling the cops because I'm like, somebody stole my truck. Right? And then I'm like, oh, there it is. I found it. I'm like, oh, pfft. right? I'm a loser. Okay, before I got this little contraption on my wrist that has the, the ping your iPhone feature, praise the living God, I didn't have my phone more than I had my phone. If, if, I, if I don't place stuff in the same exact place every single time, it's a goner, dude. Like, I, I am going to lose it. And, and my children, Tate, how many times do I ask, has anybody seen my phone? Even with the ping, I can hear it, but I still can't find it. Now, look, here's the thing. I have oftentimes lost stuff that didn't belong to me. This is the worst. Now, in, right out of college, a buddy of mine were like, you know what, dude? Yeah, let's live a full life. Let's get our motorcycle license. We're like, yeah, dog, yeah. All right? Well, I'm super poor, so I got my motorcycle license, but I can't afford a motorcycle. Okay? He was not in the same situation as I was in financially. And so he buys this, like, amazing Triumph Speed Triple, just orange. It is just wow. And he used to let me borrow it. And I went to go get the bike. And he looks at me, and he's like, hey, J.D., here's the deal. I only have one key. You cannot lose this key. Do you hear me? I'm like, dog, do you know me? Bro, I don't lose stuff. Liz loses stuff. If she was borrowing the bike, now we'd have an issue. But, bro, I'm not going to lose the key. What are you talking about, right? So I'm riding this motorcycle all night long, man, just burning up pavement, having a blast. And then the next day, I'm supposed to give him back the bike. And I can't find the key. And, man, Liz and I tear our condo to pieces. And we can't find this key for anything. I mean, it got to the point where, you, you know, you're taking apart stuff. Like, you're like, I didn't, even, I didn't even come into this room of, I didn't even go in this closet. You know what I'm saying? And I am, like, going through every shoe box and coat pocket, jackets I hadn't even ever worn. You know, it's been one day, man. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it doesn't have a key. It, it, the key doesn't have legs. You feel me? It's like, but I'm like searching. I'm like, man, I haven't been able to fit in these jeans since 1997. I'm still looking in the pockets. Right? Man, I had to call that dude and say, bro, I, I did the very thing that you told me I couldn't do. I lost the key. He's like, oh, you're playing, man. I was like, no, I wish I was, bro. Like, with everything in me, I wish this was a joke, but this is real. Like, I lost the only key. So I, I had to pay money to get the bike re-keyed 
and I should have just bought a motorcycle, okay? <laughs> and how many of you know that that loss hurt? But you know what else that, that, that was weird about that loss? And maybe you can relate to this. That loss was loud. Have you noticed how loud losing things is? Where you're laying in a quiet room, but your mind is shouting at you, you idiot. Did you look underneath that mattress in the guest bedroom? And you're like, how would that even get there? But you can't. You can't. It's so loud until you go into the guest bedroom and look underneath the mattress. Like, it is not going to let you go. And you go and you look and it's not there. And you tell yourself, you see, it's not there. And you go back and you lie down again and it gets so, the loss is so loud. It's like, dude, did you look behind the freezer? And you just keep getting up and looking places that you're like, of course it's not here, but loss is loud. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, there's a phrase that I stole from a book that's called Leadership Pain, which just does a phenomenal job of putting language around what it feels like to lead things that are changing. And it says it beautifully. It says that change equals loss. And loss always equals pain. So change equals pain. Let me say that again. Change equals loss. Even if it's a good change, all change inherently has a plus and a minus. And change equals loss. And loss always equals pain. Therefore, Change equals pain. And can I just be honest with you? We have all been experiencing a lot of change these days. There is a lot that we have lost over the past year and a half. And that loss is creating pain within us. Some of us are grieving the loss of just hanging out with people. Like the good old days. How many of you said that, man, can we just get life back to normal? Look, all of us are, are grieving seeing people's faces when we say hello. I've learned how to see smiles and eyes. Right? Like we, we've all lost something. Some of us, it's small. Some of us, it's huge. So some of you have lost your jobs over the past year and a half. And, and that change has equaled a lot of pain. And, and some of you have said last goodbyes over the past year and a half. And, and it's a big loss. And it's creating a lot of pain. It, it doesn't matter who you are. If you are alive today, we can all say that change equals loss. And loss equals pain, and therefore, I am in pain. Now, historically, Palm Sunday is the day where we stop our lives and we look at Jesus entering into a city in a way that no one saw coming, but he did it in a way where no one could look away. And what Jesus did is he stepped 
into the city of Jerusalem on his way to the cross, and his coming started a shifting in what the city sounded like. His coming started a shifting in what the city sounded like. Hear me. This still happens today. When Jesus invades the places and the spaces of our lives, there is a shift in what we are doing. There's a shift in what we are hearing. There's a shift in what we are seeing because it's impossible to encounter the living God and not experience the shift from darkness into light. And just like Jesus disrupted a normal day in Jerusalem, Jesus is still in the business of disrupting our normal lives. And when he invades our world, everything changes. I I love that when Jesus came into Jerusalem, it didn't matter what the festivities and the plans that were supposed to be going down in the town square were. When he rode in on that donkey, that first step, this is what the Bible says. It says the people stopped and they took palm branches And they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When Jesus invades our world, it disrupts the volume of all that's happening and all that we're feeling and all that's going on. And it's replaced with worship. How many people know, how many of you know that there were people there that were having some problems when Jesus showed up? And involuntarily, their problems were replaced with praise. It says the people stopped and they took palm branches. They look out, they're like, I gotta just wave something. And they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can you see? That when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. And look, if you don't hear anything, I want you to hear this. What we need is Jesus to walk into some living rooms today. We need Jesus to walk into some bedrooms today and disrupt some shame and isolation. We need Jesus to walk into some some dark alleys of our lives and and to bring some freedom from addiction. We we need Jesus to walk into some marriages that feel like they're hanging on by a thread. We, We need Jesus to walk into some parent and children relationships that feel like we don't know how to connect anymore. We need Jesus to walk into the room. Because when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. Are you with me, church? There was another moment that captures this beautiful picture of Jesus stepping into a world, a moment. And because he was there, what was happening changed from a place of despair into a place of praise. 
That happens in Luke 7. Interesting, we find Jesus walking into another city. And it says this in verse 12, that as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd was from the, ta- from the town was with her. As Jesus was entering into this city, he walks into a funeral procession. And all funerals are tough. I'm not a fan of goodbyes. I'm definitely not a fan of last goodbyes. Am I talking to anybody else? They're hard, man. Funerals are hard. I've never been to a funeral that was easy. Even if you're celebrating a life fully lived in God and people are standing up by the hundreds just prophesying and declaring how their life was impacted by this person, loss equals pain. And so you will go in between shouts of joy and tears of grief and laughing at memories and weeping at the pain because loss always hurts. All funerals are hard, but I'll tell you one thing. I've been to a few funerals that are impossible. And that's when you have children that are getting buried. In college, my best friend's brother unexpectedly just died. Just, how old was Jeff? 18, 19? Just unexpectedly just died. No one saw it coming. We were actually all on a mission trip together. And he just fell down. It was just his time. Boom. He just, heart failure, fell down and died. I'll never forget being at that funeral Hundreds of people there asking all the questions like why and how and what. And their family was a good friend of mine. So I went up to their dad. His name's Ed Gully. He's about this tall. (laughs) But he's a mountain of a man. And he looked me in the face and I was like, Ed, I don't even know what to say. And he gave me a big hug and he looked at me and he said, you know what? It's not supposed to happen like this. Fathers aren't supposed to bury their sons. And man, just the weight of what feels like a life that was stolen before it could even be lived. This mom wasn't just feeling all that. She wasn't just walking in a funeral procession to bury her only son. She was burying her future. She knew that when the dust settled, she wasn't going to be able to get a job. There's no way that she was going to be able to get remarried. And so as her son died, she basically died as well. And Jesus is just walking into the city, and he runs into this funeral. Can you feel the weight of the atmosphere 
of the city as they were mourning the loss of a young man who hadn't lived his life yet and a mother who everyone knows that life from this point forward is going to be harder than this moment. It's going to get harder. It's not going to get easier. And that's why the whole town was there, because there's something about a life that was cut short that brings everyone together. And Jesus walks in to the city, and it says this in verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. I, I love this because what Jesus was doing is was he was speaking to the pain and hopelessness in her. And he was saying, look, it was sad before I got here. But now that I'm here, you don't need to cry. This sounds eerily familiar as when the disciples were in the boat with Jesus. You know this story, don't you? And this storm is freaking them out. The boys are, I mean, they're like, what is happening, you know? And Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And they wake Jesus up, and they're like, do you not even care if we die? I got to be honest, that's probably what I would have said too. <laughs> I've been like, who is this dude, man? Like, sleeping? What? Who are we following? And then Jesus, what's Jesus doing in that moment, right? He looks at the wind and the waves, and he says, peace. So he, so he disrupted what was terrifying to them. And then he looks at them, and what's he tell them? Why are you afraid? Why did he say that? Because he, he was making it clear to his disciples that, yeah, it was scary. Stuff like that was scary, but now that I'm here... What used to scare you shouldn't, shouldn't threaten you anymore. Because when Jesus steps into your world, what used to take your breath away, all of a sudden is filled with the wind of heaven. When Jesus steps into your world, what, what used to frighten you all of a sudden starts to fight for you. Because it's impossible to encounter the living God and, not and just be impacted by the power of his presence. And when he steps into the room, everything changes. Jesus, after he had asked this woman, right, or told her, like, look, like, don't cry. She just, like, lost everything. Verse 14, it says that then he, Jesus, went up and touched the beer. Now, all, all you homies, this was not a cool pale ale, all right, just... Sorry to break that to you. The beer was what they would carry the body on. And so Jesus went up and, and he touches the beer and it says that the bearers stood still. Why? Because when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. And you might not even know what you're expecting, but your soul cannot escape the fact that it's, everything's about to shift. That I don't even know, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know what's going on. It's just like Jesus walking into Jerusalem. You're in a fight with your wife. All of a sudden you're like, hold on. We got to go out to the street real quick, real, real quick because I have this urge to start shouting Hosanna. Wow. 
That's what happened. You realize that's what happened. If the people stopped and the worship came out of them involuntarily. The bearers stood still. And Jesus said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. Dude, I wonder what he said. Did he just like pick up on the the last conversation he had? (laughs) Did he say hi to his mom? Did he know he was dead? Did he wonder why he smelled bad? Like what, you know, like what? I love moments like that in the Bible because it just, it gives you a little expectation of conversation in heaven. I'm going to find this dude and I'm be like, bro, what did you say? The Bible said that you sat up, you were dead. Jesus said, get up. You got up and it said you started talking. What'd you say? But listen, it says that Jesus gave him back. Jesus gave him back to his mother. Hear me, restoration always follows devastation. Restoration always follows devastation. Listen to the promise of God to the people of Israel in Joel 2 who find themselves in a devastating moment in their lives. In Joel 2, they were in the midst of a plague of locusts. And this plague of locusts, it ravaged their economy because it ate all of their food. It made life gross, disgusting, and hard. How many of you feel like we're kind of in a bit of a COVID plague right now? Where we're looking back and we're like, dude, everything has been touched in some way, shape, or form because of this thing that's been happening. And this is the promise of God. While the plague is happening... In Joel 2, verse 25, God says, I will repay you. That should have made somebody's heart happy who lost some stuff. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Ooh, that's a good promise. That's a good promise. If you have been in a season where you feel like you are losing things, don't forget Joel 2, 25. That God will repay you for the years that the locusts have eaten. God's like, I'm going to give you back all that was stolen from you in your devastation. Hear me. It might look different. The timing might not be your first choice, but the promise is true. That God will rebuild what the enemy has tried to destroy. Right when the shouts of all that we have lost is the loudest, right Right when those voices that are just reminding us of the change that's created loss, which has created pain in us, it's in those moments where Jesus steps into the room and begins to give us back what was dead. Jesus gave this man back to his mother. Did you catch that? Jesus repaid. I don't know what you lost over this past year. I don't know if you lost your ability to believe. I don't know if you lost your ability to feel because there has been so much hard. I don't know if you've lost family members. I don't know if you've lost friends. I don't know what you have lost 
but I think we've all lost something. And the invitation for us is to come to Jesus in the pain of our loss and to hear the promise louder than the echoing of trying to find our way. Are you hearing me? We need to, to hear the sound of the promise being restored. We, we need to hear the sound of the worship getting louder than the arguments that I'm having with my friends. That the worship gets so loud that it's louder than the depression that's rattling around in my soul. That the worship gets so loud that it doesn't matter what my plans were for the day. I've just got to stop and say, Jesus, I don't know exactly what's happening, but I know that you're repaying something right now. Because when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. I want, I want you to see this verse 16. Jesus has given this boy back to his mother. Look, remember, there was a ton of people there. There was a ton of people that were a part of this funeral. There, there was a ton of people that were watching this moment. And this is what it says, that they were all filled with awe and praise God. How many of you know that when your praise replaces your problem, the people around you go, what just happened? What, what, what just happened? They were all filled with awe and praised God. And listen to what they were shouting. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. Oh, boy. Look. I don't know how you feel about the message translation, but this passage of scripture just comes alive in the message. Listen to this. It says they all, everybody, realized that they were in a place of holy mystery. That God was at work among them. And they were quietly worshipful. And then noisily grateful. Calling out among themselves, listen to this, God is back. God is back looking out for the needs of his people. Listen, our city needs to hear God is back. Look, I don't know what you are feeling right now, what devastation you're in the middle of right now, but you need to hear this promise, God is back. You might feel like you're in a funeral procession right now. Your, 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 your finances are decimated. Your future is decimated. You feel like your relationships are decimated. And God just stepped into the room. And he touched that coffin of your dreams. And he touched that coffin of what feels like a dead promise. And then all of a sudden, what was dead comes back to life. And when God steps into the room, everything begins to change. Everything begins to shift. It's impossible to encounter him and not be changed by him. 
It's impossible to experience him and, and it not begin to shift everything that is around us. Listen, look, heaven has to get louder than our loss. Heaven has to get louder than our lost. On the very first Palm Sunday, when Jesus came into the city, everyone stopped. And they just started worshiping the God that was in front of them. Listen, we need the living God to step into the rooms of our lives and stop our feeble attempts to get right and be right and, and say right and feel right. And we just stop and let his presence do what his presence can do. I want everybody to stand with me because I'm believing that this morning that God wants to fill this place with the power and the presence of heaven that there is a funeral that's being disrupted in your life right now. There's a dead promise that God is resurrecting right now. There's some stuff that the locusts have stolen from you that God is beginning to repay right now because when he walks into the room, it doesn't matter what was, it only matters what is. And so he is looking at some folks this morning and he is saying, all that was lost will be repaid. All that was lost will be restored. Look, I know that some of you have never given your life to Jesus and you're here today because you know you need to get your life right with God. And that's why you got up and you drove all the way here and you said, you know what? I'm going to go to church because there was something in me that I am realizing is not right. And you are here because God has a plan for your life, and that plan for your life is a good plan. It's a, it's a plan that's filled with hope. It's a plan that's filled with goodness. It's a plan that's filled with joy. But listen to me, it is not an easy plan. It is not an easy road. Receiving Jesus is not an escape button from your challenges. It's an invitation into a person that will be with you in your challenges. And this morning, I just knew, I just knew in my knower that there was a few people here that are ready to give their life, to surrender. You've been trying to live your own way, trying to get right, trying to be right, trying to think right. And it's led you to the very same place that it always leads all of us, and that is to the bottom of ourselves. And you skimmed in this morning, and you're like, you know what? It's time, and I want to give you an opportunity to do business with God right now. I want you, everybody, just to close their eyes. And even if you're watching online, and you're not a part of the hundreds that are here in this room, I want you to be a part of this moment with us. And if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, why does this matter? Because our lives are riddled with sin and brokenness. We are broken, deprived, messed up. We are far from God and the sin in our lives, the things that we do that are not God's best for us, the ways that we live, the things that we say that, that are not God's best for us, they separate us from God. They drive the wedge between us further, even as sometimes we long to be closer. But Jesus, are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus walked into Jerusalem. Oh, and he walked into Jerusalem to die on a cross and that cross would turn into a bridge from the brokenness that you're living in into the promise of relationship with him. 
And when Jesus died on the cross, he took upon himself the punishment that our sin has caused for us. And he said, you know what? I'm going to pay that debt with my life so that you can receive grace about your life. But Jesus didn't stay dead because he wanted us all to see that there was nothing. There was no sin. There was no challenge. There was no cancer. There was no sickness. There was nothing that is stronger than him. So he conquered death itself and he rose back to life and he shifted the atmosphere of the world because he stood in our place and he said, you know what? You are broken. You are messed up and I love you and I made a way to have relationship with you to forgive you of your sin so that you can walk full in my presence. And if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, I need that. I want you, every eye is closed, every head is bowed. I want you to raise your hand high so I can see you as you're surrendering your life to Jesus. I see you, anybody else? Come on, hands going up everywhere. Anybody else wanna make this decision? Come on, let's just celebrate what God's doing real quick. Let's celebrate, no church, I said let's celebrate. I said, let's celebrate what God's doing real quick. Let's celebrate that dead people are about to come back to life real quick. That some funerals were just interrupted. If you're doing this with me, I want you just to, in your heart, I want you to agree. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Allow me to receive all of who you are. I am yours. I am not my own. You have bought my life with your life so that I may live. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church.